today we're going to continue on in our series in the book of Ephesians. I'll be reading for us um, the passage for today, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. So we'll be finishing chapter 1 uh, by God's grace. I uh, hope you've been uh, helped by this book so far. So I'll read it for us, and we'll pray. We're going to the time of the sermon uh, right away. Ephesians 1, uh, 15-23 For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And, and he put all things under his feet and gave him at, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Could you bow your heads with me one more time? And uh, let's pray. And uh, let's go into the sermon together. Heavenly Father, we ask you again that you would uh, be present with us uh, in this place at this time. Thank you that we are the body of Christ. Thank you that we can hear your word uh, every single week without fail. Thank you for all the provisions that you have for us as your church. Now, gather your hearts, uh, gather uh, the, the, your, your people, gather the hearts of your people so that we can be attentive to your word, so we can be transformed and be uh, enlightened by your word, God. Bless every heart. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's three points as usual. Uh, those are the thankfulness in our hearts, the Holy Spirit uh, in our hearts, and thirdly, the power in our hearts. I uh, just wanted to mention just really quickly that uh, I've been talking to some of you, and I think a lot of you are stressed out these days, you know, whether you're young adults or students. And uh, I want to say I, I'm praying for you, and my hope and prayer is that through this passage today, which is really about the power and hope uh, that you gain strength uh, through this passage and you go back out to the world tomorrow and this week to live for the Lord. Okay? So first point is thankfulness in our hearts. Verse 15, uh, it says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith 
in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Uh, and then he's going to pray for the Ephesians. But before he prays uh, in, in the verses that we just read, uh, he is giving thanks before he prays. And there seem to be two reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, right away in the passage, we read these three words that say, for this reason, which go back, look back to the, the previous passages that we have been studying the past three weeks. You know, we looked at the every spiritual blessing that we, the believers have in Christ, because of uh, the God of Trinity accomplished for them. Namely, you know, God the Father, um, you know, from eternity past, uh, choosing and predestining even the believers for adoption and future glory. And then God the Son, Jesus Christ, sacrificing his own life to be the ransom price uh, for the redemption of, of the believers from sin. And then thirdly, uh, God the Holy Spirit you know, sealing them. We, we saw that last week, that the Holy Spirit seals the believers to, pr to protect them until they receive their reward. So in light of this lavish grace God pours on the believers, you know, Paul cannot help but you know, praising and giving thanks to God. But there's another reason why he's thankful. It's because of the faith and love of the Ephesians. We look at that in these two verses that we just read. Now their faith uh, describes their ongoing trust in Christ, not the initial you know, decision to follow Christ, but you know, ongoing trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord, that he saved them, that in Christ they have justification and salvation, but also they trust that by obeying him as their Lord, there will be reward, that God rewards faithfulness. So they trust him. And now from that trust and faith uh, comes this radical love. Uh, you know, it says, your love towards all the saints. I think the word all is important because what that means is this love is not conditional. Uh, this love is indiscriminate favor to everyone, you know, regardless of how lovable they are or unlovable they are. They are trying to show, you know, Christ-like, merciful, even forgiving love to other people in the church, other saints, the believers. In other words, you know, Paul is thankful for the progress that he sees in the hearts of the Ephesian believers. And he's, by thanking God, he's acknowledging that God is the source of these fruits. God gets the glory. And now we'll see that the reason why he is giving thanks before he prays is because thanksgiving helps us you know, locate God's faithfulness in our lives and it leads us to affirm God's goodness and it restores our relationship with, our relationship with God. Let me re repeat that again. The purpose of thanksgiving before praying. That it helps us locate God's faithfulness in our lives and it leads us to affirm God's goodness to us and eventually it restores our walk with God. Our, our relationship with God. Uh, 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you love writing cards? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That's just texting these days, maybe. Messaging. Oh, man. I'm like getting sad and sad these days. Whenever I ask questions, and I'm realizing how old I am. <laughs> but anyways, let's. Let's say that we love writing cards, okay? <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know, for any holidays or birthdays or, you know, weddings, I mean, eventually you'll have to write cards, I think. And if you have the experience of writing cards, you know, typically we try to say good things about the person that we're writing cards to, right? That's the purpose of cards. You know, you don't say like, you know, curses or wrong things. You know, and then send that to the person that you're writing the cards. No, you don't do that. You, you try to say, you know, nice things, especially things that you, you might be thankful for. That's the purpose. But if you're really honest, when you write the cards, there might be certain people that you have a lot easier time to write the cards to. Uh, first, because you know you are close to them, and you have good you know relationship with, relationship with them. So it's a lot easier for you to think of thankful things and just it just flows out of your you know mind on the other hand to be really honest there might be certain people when you're writing cards it's just so hard because it's so hard for you to think of what to write uh, first maybe because you know you don't know that person that well or maybe you've had some you know relational troubles with that person but you write on, and I think the, the beauty in my mind of writing cards, or I mean, you know, emails for that matter, or any messages, that it, it pushes you to think hard about what you are thankful for. And in some cases, you know, these you know, cards and messages can restore uh, the relationship between us and those people. I think the habit of thanksgiving to God is like that. It's like writing cards. You know, depending on your, your relationship with God, you know, maybe some of us, uh, it's maybe easy for you to say thank, thanks to God about various things and, you know, it just flows out of your heart. But maybe for some of us, or at certain times, it's just so hard. You don't know what to write to God, what to say to God. Because you know you've been distant from God and on and on. But when we, when we try to still do that, when we try to still write cards to God, so to speak, it pushes us to really search our hearts and affirm God's goodness all over again. And it, it restores our relationship with God. And it helps us uh, pray because of that. So before we go any further, can I encourage us to take a minute, maybe, to... Uh, write a card, so to speak, to God right now. Give thanks to God. And, and let me maybe share these two things that might be applicable. First, um, one thing that we could be thankful for in this room or you know, if you're joining through a live stream is um, the fact that you are here, the fact that you are you know, sitting you know, under God's, God's word and you are here uh, fellowshipping with one another. I think that's something to be thankful for because 
I acknowledge that a lot of churches are, you know, struggling uh, these days because, um, you know, because of the pandemic, you know, it really ravaged uh, different, a lot of churches. And I know many of us struggle through the pandemic because of social isolation and et cetera. But again, the, the fact that you're here, the fact that your faith is not dead, you could have spent this afternoon elsewhere, I'm pretty sure, but you're here. And let me encourage you with that. You know, God is faithful in your life. He is sustaining your faith somehow. And for others of us, another example might be, you know, maybe you had some really bad relational hurts recently or in the past. And it's so painful. But you find yourself still not giving up. You find yourself still wrestling through, you know, fighting your heart and try to forgive and love that person, whoever that might be. And that's evidence of God's grace in your life. Praise God for his faithfulness to hold your uh, heart up in that way. These two say, God is good. You know, whether we know it or not, as we search our hearts like this, God has always been and he will always be good to us, even when it doesn't seem like it at first. So thankfulness in our hearts lead to prayer. Second, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So after Paul has given thanks, now you know he has affirmed God's goodness, so he's ready to pray. So he now makes specific requests to God about the Ephesians. So follow with me. Verses 17 through 18, it says this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Here we encounter a very, very important function of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So look with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 14. Uh, it just really substantiates uh, what we just read. So the 1 Corinthians says this, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, meaning the people who don't have uh, the Spirit, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Here Paul is affirming the fact that people cannot understand the gospel and the truth of God's word unless the Holy Spirit enables them to understand them. And when I say understand, I, I don't mean intellectual understanding. What I mean is um, 
really accepting and receiving the truth with faith in their hearts. So, you know, we've said this several times now, uh, the past few weeks or so, that there's this thing called regeneration. The Holy Spirit has to first give a new heart and new spiritual vision and eyes for a person to understand God's message and believe in it. There's no other way because our hearts are dead. We don't desire God if we have choice left to ourselves. And that's what verse 18 means. It says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That's the initial birth there, the spiritual birth, the sp- new spiritual vision. And that's when the, the Holy Spirit enters into the person's heart and he lives there forever, enlightening them, helping them understand God's word. And from there on, the Holy Spirit constantly helps the person to understand God's word so that they can continue to believe in it and also grow in their spiritual lives. And that's what verse 17 means. It says, giving you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I mean, at first glance, it may seem like Paul is saying, oh, you know, I'm going to pray that God will give you the Holy Spirit, when in fact, the believers already have Holy Spirit. So what Paul here means is, you know, he's specifying the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Meaning he's talking about the specific functions of the Holy Spirit. That Paul is praying that, excuse me, Paul is praying that uh, this specific functions of um, the Holy Spirit giving wisdom and insight into God's word, also the Holy Spirit revealing revelation, <clears throat> revealing the, <clears throat> excuse me, meaning of God's word to the Holy uh, to the believers, so that they can understand. So that's what Paul is saying here. That's that's the content of prayer that Paul wants the the believers. Uh, to have um, <clears throat> this special wisdom and revelation from God to be amplified so that they can understand God's word better. And please follow with me. So from there on, Paul now lists three things, three specific things that he wants uh, people to understand by the Holy Spirit. The first one is, the, at the end of verse 17, he says, in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of him. Uh, in the, the important word there is the knowledge. The, word, the words knowing and knowledge are not just brain exercise in the Bible. It, it's not just intellectual knowing. It rather indicates intimacy and deep knowing within a relationship to the point that the, the, the knowing and knowledge is actually a euphemism in the Bible for sexual intercourse. Uh, one of my seminary professors, back in my uh, seminary days, and whenever he talked about the story of Adam and Eve, he would always go like this. He would always go, you know, Adam knew, wink, Eve, and then Eve conceived a son. If you go to Genesis, it, it, that's what it says. It says, Adam knew Eve, and then there came a son. And I don't need to go into a biological re- lesson there. It means that uh, knowing there is more than just 
knowing the knowledge, the, the superficial and shallow information. It's talking about intimacy. So when, when Paul says, I'm praying that you know God in this way, he's saying that, that he's praying for the intimacy and depth in their walk with God because they now understand God's word. And then go from there. A second thing that Paul wants them to know, verse 18, uh, it says, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Uh, the hope there, and then it says the to which he has called you, those are familiar words because they refer back to all the spiritual blessings that we studied past three weeks. Meaning, you know, we saw that God the Father, you know, elected, chose predestined believers in order, to, in order for them to be part of his family and also to be destined to uh, the bright future of the restoration of the whole universe. In other words, God called, God invited believers to a destiny that is hopeful. So that's what Paul is saying, that, that Paul wants us to know as a result of the deep relationship with God that we know the blessing of hope that we have in Christ. And thirdly, uh, verse 18, it says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And let me tell you right away, this is the same thing again, that he's talking about the blessing that we studied past three weeks. Meaning that back in verse 11, uh, we said another way to translate the verse was that you know we were made an inheritance of God, that we became God's treasure possession. So Paul is saying that you guys are blessed because God calls you mine. That's what it means to be having inheritance in the saints, that you are God's if you are a believer. And in the end, God will claim you as his possession when Jesus comes back. Again, pointing to the hope that we have in Christ. So in summary then, Paul is praying that you know, by the help of the Spirit, the believers would know, you know who God is more, and as a result, that they're convinced of all the blessings they have in Christ, that they have a bright future in Christ. In other words, Paul is praying that we would have a solid identity in Christ in this shaky world. When the world says there's no hope, the Bible says, believe that there's bright future. That's your identity. Believe by the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's praying for. And the emphasis there is this only happens if they rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, not any other means. It has to be the Holy Spirit. Let me just share, share with you two stories here, uh, real-life stories. Uh, first is, um, there's a lady that Deb and I uh, ministered to for some time, and she was not a believer. And we were having a dinner with her this one time, and uh, at that point, you know, I really felt compelled to share the gospel with her. So, you know, I told her about sin and, you know, Christ's death on the cross, 
uh, and her need for faith in Christ to be saved. And in response, uh, he, she said uh, that basically, you know, you know, Pastor Aiden, thanks for sharing uh, that message, but another friend of mine, you know, shared the same message with me not too long ago. And so I know what you're talking about. But guess what? I just can't believe in that because I really think that I can achieve my own salvation by working hard and achieving a good life. I, I really think that that's enough for me. I cannot really go beyond that. And, and we, we still talk, but she never came to faith. There's another story. There's another lady. Um, you know, actually, she's a friend of mine from college, and she was not a believer either. But not only was she not a believer, but also she, uh, probably worse than, you know, unbelievers. She actually grew up in a cult. You know, her parents uh, pretty much indoctrinated her, you know, to have uh, these wrong teachings about God. But then she attended a revival meeting at uh, the church that I attended, and she became a Christian there. And then she was giving her testimony, you know, later at her, you know, baptism service. And here's what she said in, during her testimony. She, she said, you know, I was listening to the sermon during the revival, and then bam, the words of the sermon came alive to me, and I believed. And my friends and I were in, in the audience, and we're just like cracking up. Because she's one of those, you know, people that barely talk, very soft-spoken, and is never loud. But you see, when she was describing her conversion experience, she couldn't contain herself, but she was just so excited, and she just let it out like that. And, and what's, what's interesting about these two stories is this, right? I mean, you know, both ladies heard the same message and understood the same message, at least intellectually. But for one person, it stayed only on that level um, and she rejected it for herself. While for the other person, she took it to heart and her whole course of life changed. What's the difference? The difference is the work of the Holy Spirit. And just so you know, I'm not trying to say that the other lady who rejected the gospel message is lost. She's not hopeless, and nobody is. I'm still praying for her, and I know that God can, at his timing, uh, can open her heart. I'm praying for her. But my point is that um, anybody can hear the message of the gospel and uh, the, the word, but the response can be very different because it has to do with the Holy Spirit. So the point is, uh, for us, as we are trying to process this message and th this passage, uh, the point is that if we want any change in our lives, if we want to get to know God better, the first step has to be reliance on the Holy Spirit. There has to be a serious prayer every time we read God's word. And that's why, you know, I pray before I preach. Because right now, 
Holy Spirit is working, as well as the demons and Satan competing for our hearts right now. So I pray every time I preach uh, so that your hearts will be open, that I'll be clear in my message. But that's so true. The Holy Spirit is always working and we must rely on Him. And for me, you know, in my da- daily devotional times, uh, I can be honest with you, it can be very mundane. You know, it can be just really dry and I feel like I didn't really get anything out of it. But there's always times, you know, once in a while when, you know, a certain passage just, you know, hit me like a rock uh, and, and really convicting me either of, you know, God's love for me, His tender mercy, um, and that, which makes me cry at times. Uh, and, and, but other times He convicts me of, you know, certain sins and it leads me to my knees and I repent. And those are sweet times too. And I make sure to write these times down in my journal so that those memories, you know, can stay alive in my journal. The point is, I mean, it's not always dramatic. You know, maybe the example of my friend giving the testimony may make it sound like it has to be dramatic. No, I mean, it can be very still small voice, whisper even. But whatever it is, Holy Spirit does convict your heart. Even when it's a simple verse or two. And and through that, your faith in God grows and you go deeper in your relationship with God. We must rely on the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And thirdly, I'll just share this really quick last point. The power in our hearts. Not just Thankfulness, not just the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit leads us to this last point. There's one more thing Paul prays for believers so that they get this through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, let me read on uh, the last few verses here. It says, To know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the, in the age to come. So what Paul is saying is that there's this great power working in every single believer through the Holy Spirit. And this power is none other than the power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. And not only that, he, after raising him from the dead, he you know, lifted him all the way up to the highest place in, highest place in heaven, the right hand of, hand of God, which is the, the, the seat of authority, the seat of honor, meaning that Jesus is the king of the universe. And God God made it happen, defeating all his enemies so that Jesus can be installed forever as a ruler of the universe. What that means is Jesus is in control right now. At first, it may sound like the world is in chaos right now. For sure, there's there are war happening, you know, there are evil things happening, you know, everywhere. But what's happening right now is that there's sin that needs to be destroyed. That will happen. But even now, 
Jesus is in control, meaning that nothing happens by accident. Even Satan has to get permission from Jesus for the evil to happen. That's what it means that Jesus is in control and he's in authority. And then last two verses, it says, that authoritative Jesus, you know, that, that he put Jesus, you know, you know, all things under Jesus' feet, and he gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, fullness of Christ, who fills all in all. What that means is that, that God gave Jesus to the church, meaning Christ, with his authority, now he uses the authority, the universal authority and dominion for the benefit of the church. To put it a different way, Christ now, it says, fills fullness. Christ is present in, in this place, in our church, in the universal church, filling and pouring and showering all the blessings of the universe, which is himself, onto his body, the body of Christ. That's what it means you know, when it says head and body. Head is not just the, the leader of a body, but you know, without the head, you know, there's no you know, functioning of the body, meaning that Christ is a sustainer. He's a sustaining source of the church. He uses his authority. He uses his power to bless the church so that the church can have his power and be victorious in every spiritual battle. And in the end, when Jesus comes back, the church as his bride will be glorious and victorious. That's the promise. That's what Christ did. Meaning, the, the church and each one of us believers has tremendous power, my friends. We have power that made resurrection happen. We have power that made installation of Christ as king of the universe happen. And what kind of life our life should look like? It should be that of victory and confidence. But let me share with you in closing that perhaps the best way to use the power that's in us is humility and service. Please follow with me. I'm going to read the next two verses or um, passages. These are a lot of verses, but two passages here to explain what it means. Luke 9, 52-55, it says, And Jesus sent messengers ahead of him, who went and entered a village of Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And what's happening here in this story is uh, the disciples knew that they had power because of Jesus. But instead of using it to you know, benefit other people, but they are intended to use, to use, use the power to punish people 
who did not submit to them. Um, in other words, they were trying to use the power to elevate themselves as kings uh, and gain you know, selfish gain. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. And then Matthew 20, uh, 35 to 45, he says this. And James and John, these guys again, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said, he said of them, well, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, uh, Grant us to sit one at, right, at one at your right hand and one at, uh, one at your left hand in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I'm baptized, you'll be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. And it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, when the world gets power, they get abusive. You know, they use God-given power to rule over other people. But when the believers get God-given power, they are to use it to serve. They are to use it to fight the sin of pride in their hearts and use it to become like Christ in humble service. What did Christ do? Even though Jesus was the king over the whole universe, all powers of the world, he stepped down from his kingly throne. He became human, searching for sinners, serving them, even washing their feet and dying on the cross for them. He used his power for that. And believers, those who want to be like Christ, those who want to grow closer to Christ, they are to be like that. And Ephesians show a glimpse of that here. Paul said they were loving each other. They are loving all the saints, showing supernatural love to their fellow church members. Because they know that their identity is in heaven. That the Holy Spirit enabled them to know that their solid future waiting for them. So they don't have to use the power to gain more. They use the power to give. That's the secret of our lives. 
we got the power to serve and be a blessing to the world, not to use it and abuse it and gain over others. Let us use the power by the Holy Spirit to serve each other. Let's pray together. We'll be closing um, with a song and uh, with praying afterwards as well. But before we go any further, if I can ask us to um, just take this time to ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, give us insight, and that He would not let the Word remain outside of us or even remain in our heads. That the Holy Spirit would um, drill it down into our hearts. That we would know God. That we would know Christ. That we would love Him like one would love his or her spouse. They will genuinely walk with God that He would amaze our hearts with His Word as we walk with them. That our hearts grow more and more distant from the principles of this world but grow more and more closer to the heart of God through which we use the power to serve not to use others for our own gain. It has to be the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we pray together uh, before we finish with the song and, and process that way? Let's just ask the Holy Spirit the very thing. Let's pray. You know, we've been in this book of Ephesians for some time now and um, I think at this point you may get what Paul is trying to do um, perhaps the Ephesians were discouraged um, you know history always repeats itself in many ways and you know if, if we think our world right now is dark uh, it was probably a lot darker back then with the the Roman Empire uh, breathing um, the threats against the Christians. So Paul is really trying to show them and show us the, the, the true reality beyond this, this earth, beyond the present. He's screaming at them and at us, there is hope. There is hope solid living hope Jesus lives he rose again he's seated at the right hand of God ruling the universe waiting until the time to come back and wipe our tears and bring us home there is hope before we finish let's pray that God would uh, stir up our hearts what a great promise. The Holy Spirit is the one stirring up our hearts. It's not us trying to conjure up anything here. It is God's power 
moving our hearts to believe in the future reality in Christ. So then, if we believe any situation, any circumstance cannot, can, can move us, we will be strong in His grace. Can we pray uh, just for a moment asking God to do just that in our close place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we pray to you uh, knowing that you listen to us especially when we are downhearted. You listen to us. You're near to the brokenhearted. You listen to us. Lord, many of us are going through many different things and many different challenges in their callings, in their relationships. So there are many hurts and broken hearts represented in this room. Lord, I pray that you would mend their hearts not just by the band-aids, but by the powerful Holy Spirit going deeper and convicting our hearts of the reality of the future in Christ so that we will not just get through situations, but we will go through any situations with confidence and joy because we believe that there's hope that you walk with us. We wait for you, Jesus, to come back, not only end this agony, but also bring us into your presence where we will worship you all eternity long. And at that time, we'll look back and we'll see that none of the tears was useless. Give us that kind of eye to the future through your Holy Spirit. Comfort your people. Guide us. Let's end this time together with the Lord's Prayer.